And all of those same surveys that I referenced, literally we were asking students, okay, what do you think the admissions and marketing team should show prospective students on social media? Like, what do they care about? What kind of content do you think they would enjoy? When you look at all of the comments, easily the number one thing they kept saying was, just show current students doing what they do every day. Show them eating, show them in their dorms, show them going off campus, where are the fun things they like to go. Show all the different campus community activities they do. Hey, welcome to the Higher Ed Storytelling University podcast here on the B Podcast Network. This is a show dedicated to helping higher ed marketers tell better stories, create better content, and enroll more students. My name's John Azoni. I'm the founder at Unveiled, and we're a video production company working specifically with college marketing teams to make it easy for them to scale up and even automate their student and alumni success stories through our subscription approach. And you can learn more about that at unveiled.tv, and that's U-N-V-E-I. LD.TV. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, uh, go ahead and subscribe. We'd love to have you. And if you're wanting your college and university's content to resonate on a deeper emotional level with prospective students, with alumni, with parents, whatever, I want you to subscribe to my free newsletter. Every week I send out tips and insights on creating more emotionally resonant content, including examples and best practices from other institutions, articles and blog posts, that week's podcast episode, and much more. So head over to unveiled.tv slash newsletter and sign up. All right, let's get on with the show. My guest today is Jeremy Tears. Jeremy is the Senior Director of Admissions Services for Tudor Collegiate Strategies, as well as the host of the Mission Admissions Podcast. Over the past nine years, he's helped thousands of college and university admission and marketing professionals become better recruiters, communicators, writers, and leaders through comprehensive training workshops, year-long training programs, and one-on-one mentoring. Jeremy is also the editor-in-chief of a well-known weekly college admissions and enrollment marketing email newsletter that has more than 3,000 subscribers. Uh, So Jeremy, welcome to the show. Appreciate the opportunity to be here with you, John. Yep. So today we are uh, talking about a post that you did on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was about some social media data that, that you guys had collected about which platform students, uh, you know, go on when they want to learn more about different colleges they're considering. Uh, and then also some data about, you know, what they want to see on those platforms. So we're going to get into that topic in a minute. But first, I want to just start off with what's what's something that people would be surprised to, to know about you? I would tell you probably a couple of things. Number one, for eight years, I was a college basketball coach on the men's side at three different colleges, two in Minnesota, one in the Indianapolis area, which is where I live now. And then for six years prior to that, I actually worked uh, at multiple high schools as well, including two years as a college and career advisor uh, where I did college planning for a school of about 800 students. Oh, that's very cool. College basketball. We were just filming some college basketball um, the other night. It was a fun time. That's my first college basketball game I had been to. (laughs) March Madness is without question, uh, in my mind anyways, the best sporting event of the year, even for the non-basketball fan. It's just, you know, a really cool environment. And if anybody's looking for bucket list things at some point down the road, I highly advise them to try to get to a game at some point in March Madness somewhere. So. All right, we'll do that. Um, Okay, so in your post, you mentioned uh, you've been asking students for four plus years which platforms they go on to learn about colleges. So, um, where's this? Where's this data coming from? And 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 where where are you asking students? How are you asking them? Just tell me about that. So throughout the year, John, we do dozens of individual school surveys whenever we partner with a college or university on anything, whether it's staff training, communication work. And along with that, for a couple of years back, Tudor Collegiate Strategies partnered with Niche. I'm sure you're familiar with them. And I have a good friend, uh, Will Patch, who's one of their senior leaders. And so we did for a couple of years, both fall and spring surveys in collaboration together where tens of thousands of high school juniors and seniors were surveyed. Now, the surveys we do internally with Tudor Collegiate Strategies that I referenced first are done with incoming new first-time college freshmen. And so we're really getting the, an understanding of you know both sides of the equation, students who are just starting their search for a college, 
students are actually in the thick of it as a high school senior. And now that they've actually made a decision and they're either getting ready to start college because this survey could be done in say July or August, or it could be done four months into their first year of school as a first year student where it's still fresh enough in their mind. And so when you combine all of that data, and then I think Nish does a really good job, they still do their own surveys as well um, throughout the year. They ultimately have found, and we have found when you combine all of that data, that without question, Instagram is far and away where students, when they want to see and learn different things about different colleges they might be interested in, go first in terms of social platforms. I would also tell you the surveys that we do for Tutor Collegiate Strategies also give the option, besides all of the platforms, and we don't just say pick one, where'd you go the most? We will literally ask them, okay, which social media pages of different colleges and universities you were interested in or you're interested in did you check out? And we're like, check them all if you want. And it's all the usual suspects. But then the option on our survey was also, I didn't look at any social media pages. And believe mm. it or not, about 25% of students said, yeah, I didn't. It doesn't mean they don't utilize social media. It just means for college planning purposes, they didn't really utilize it to help them with their search. Hmm. Interesting. Because um, I was, I, I don't know, maybe it's a millennial thing. I would, I would go on Reddit. That would be my, that would be, that's kind of where I go to get like the real scoop on, on something. And I find that you get a good uh, variety of like, personal experiences and stuff like that. So do you think that people are going on Instagram, for example, to get experiences from other students or are they looking for the school's page and looking at what the school is saying about themselves? So I think the answer is yes and yes. And back to your first point there, Reddit a hundred percent is a place I think students go but I would argue more go to Instagram and you mm -hmm. can even look again at the recent data that I know Niche did a survey. I want to say it was November, December. So just a few months ago with current high school seniors. And I know Reddit again was definitely a place they went, but I believe, or I don't quote me that Instagram was at least a percentage point, if not more ahead of them and was still number one. I just think John, they're on Instagram. It's one of the most utilized platforms for young people in the world, right? Just from a usage standpoint, along with YouTube and, and TikTok and a few other things. So I think it's number one, they're just on Instagram for fun anyways. And so they're like, well, let me check out some of this college stuff because I enjoy the platform. It's a visual platform, which again, we know how visual this generation is. And so I think it's a combination of those things. I, I definitely think some use Reddit, but the lion's share, according to every piece of data I have, says when I actually want to see things, right? Because you got to remember, obviously on Reddit, it's much more, I'm looking and reading at things versus Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. I'm actually visually able to see images and or watch videos. Right. So give us a lay of the land of um, Instagram was first. What, where did these other ones fall? When we do the surveys, just the Tutor Collegiate Strategy surveys, and so again, these are with students who have made their college decision. Instagram typically finishes, John, about 40 to 45% ahead of the next platform in terms of, hey, this is where I went far and away. And it, we don't ask at what stage, so we don't ask, hey, were you there as a junior? Were you there as a senior after you picked your school? We're just like at any point in your college search. I would tell you, it depends on the school, but typically YouTube and or Facebook finish second and or third. TikTok occasionally for a school creeps into one of those two spots, but typically it finishes fourth. And then really there isn't much else down the list. I mean, Twitter, X, Reddit, um, Zemi is a, an amazing platform, but I think Zemi is used a little bit differently, right? Um, in mm -hmm. terms of, again, it's almost used more like I would argue the modern day Reddit is because it's set up where it allows connections with other current students at the school, other students looking at the school. And so all of those platforms are definitely ones that students, again, utilize during their college search, but Instagram far and away continues to be number one. And are you asking a range of uh, ages? Uh, or are, are these people are, are these people coming out of high school or uh, are they people going back to school too? Is it mixed in there? 
Sure. So all of the data that I've been referencing so far would all be with traditional first-time freshmen. So you're looking at high school students coming out of high school now. Internally, Tutor Collegiate Strategies over the years has done different surveys with non-traditional students. So these could be transfer students. These could be graduate students. And ultimately, when we ask a similar question, I would tell you the number one answer is actually most of them don't look at any social media when it comes to helping them with their transfer search and or picking whatever MBA program or whatever it might be. The number one source for them is typically either the school's website or it is typically conversations either with one or more people at that school and or conversations with friends, family members, and coworkers. Those are their we'll call it lead sources, if that makes sense, way more than any social media is for most non-traditional students. Interesting. I'm surprised that TikTok isn't higher. I think we all assume that people coming out of high school are like TikTok obsessed. And 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 I think maybe that's a misconception about, you know, Gen Z or, uh, or whatever, is that, you know, they're only on TikTok and they're only doing dance videos and, <laughs> and things like that. Well, and I would argue like my go-to all the time um, is Pew Research. I'm sure you're familiar with them and, and they do a lot of just research on anything, let alone social media usage. And even if you look at their most recent data, which is only a few months old, it's saying that, you know, young people and, and they go all the way up to people in their 60s and 70s. But most young people, again, from a usage standpoint, YouTube and Instagram, right, continue to be along with, you know, Facebook and to an extent, TikTok up there. I also think, honestly, Instagram, Meta, because obviously Meta runs, you know, Instagram, I think they've done a good job with Reels and Reels continue, I think, to gain that much more traction. And, you know, I, I know my daughter who's 14 and a half looks at Reels. So, mm -hmm. and she's obviously not on TikTok, mainly because her parents haven't let her go on TikTok yet. That's good. But that's another good conversation job, for another, another <laughs> day. But so ultimately, I, I don't think it's they're not on TikTok. I just don't think as many are on TikTok. And again, I think Facebook meta is part of the reason why, because of obviously the money and the investment they've made in that platform versus obviously a TikTok, which I would argue is still in its infancy, if you want to think of it that way. Yeah, I do like Instagram reels more than TikTok. I feel like the algorithm understands me more. Um, I feel like TikTok is a little more makes more assumptions about what I want to see um, than than Instagram, uh, which, you know, if if they show something sensational, um, and I'm like, oh, what's, what's going on there? And it's like very right wing or it's very left wing or it's something like that. Then the next few days I'm getting, like, if I just happened to watch the thing, cause it was like caught my attention, then they're like, oh, he must be this or that, you know? <laughs> and then they're, they're showing me, uh, you know, all this stuff, but, but Instagram, I feel like kind of gives me consistently like fine. I, I like to, I like to get like the funny stuff, um, you know, from, uh, from Instagram and TikTok, And I find that Instagram reels are easier to share, uh, than TikTok. Cause my wife and I, you know, as, as most marriages do have a running, you know, tally of reels going back and forth, but like TikTok, you have to text them. And that's just a little too, I feel like that's just too invasive. Like, cause we're texting about other stuff. Like I like that, you know, and then, you know, the TikToks just kind of get buried in there. But when, when we're on Instagram, we're kind of like in the mode to consume content. And we'll, we'll, we have this, um, game we'll play like five, five minutes, set a five minute timer. Uh, whoever finds the funniest reel, uh, wins, wins nothing, just <laughs> bragging rights. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I just like the sharing the, I think it's more, I think reels, uh, has done a good, has done a really good job of answering to TikTok and, and yet being a little more, um, user-friendly um, and the algorithm I, I like better. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, full disclosure, I use Instagram way more than I do TikTok and, and I don't even have a TikTok account other than, you know, I have one so I can actually log in and just look at content colleges or posting and, and do whatever you want to think of as market research, right? But from an actual personal standpoint, I definitely use Instagram. And I would just tell you to your point, Instagram with that algorithm change last fall, has done a much better job, I think, of saying we are going to prioritize relevant content based on, you know, again, what you're liking, your search history, all those things. So 
Quick break here to tell you about how you can scale up your student and alumni success stories without taking on a bunch of extra work to manage with our video storytelling subscriptions. Look, making even one video takes a lot of legwork. There's lots of steps to go through to hire a video vendor, hurt all the cats, and then you usually get one video out of that. But what if you could do a similar amount of work, uh, but this time get a year's worth of storytelling content that you can use across the board to highlight your various programs where pretty much all you had to do was find the stories and hand them off. And even that will help you with. Well, at Unveiled, our aim is to take the friction out of telling great stories. So whether you're a big school or a small liberal arts college, you can tell compelling stories all year round and fill your content calendar with video content. And we can get this done for you virtually anywhere in the world, certainly anywhere in the US. The way it works is we're going to batch shoot a year's worth of content and then every month drip out to you one new student or alumni story along with a whole package of additional video content. So you'll get the full length story, which is usually two to three minutes. You'll get a 30 second and a 15 second cut down of that story to use in various shorter contexts. And then you'll get eight topical videos. And those those topical videos are like while we have this student sitting here on camera, let's ask them whatever we want. We'll work with your school to come up with a list of questions that that touch on those things that you like to promote. So maybe it's scholarships or career development opportunities or on-campus housing or whatever it is. So that's the package of videos. You'll get that package every month, every single month. And not only can you take those polished videos that we deliver to you and crop them vertically and you know make great TikToks and Reels content, but you get to keep all the raw B-roll and interview footage that we shoot. Imagine the possibilities of 12 students or alumni following them around for half a day in classes, in labs, in whatever other visual contexts. And that's just an entire library of B-roll that you get to use forever and repurpose at no extra charge. It's all included in your subscription. So head over to unveiled.tv. That's U-N-V-E-I-L-D.tv and check out our work. You can find pricing information there as well. And if you'd like to chat further, you can book a call with me on the website there and I'd be happy to talk about how we might be able to support you and also answer any questions you may have. Uh, Okay, back to the show. You mentioned too in uh, this post of yours, and by the way, for people listening, I'll link to this post so you're not in the dark uh, here, but basically we're just talking through the main main points. Um, And, uh, but you mentioned, Jeremy, that 90% of your content should be from the current student point of view. And I think that's really important uh, you could take that a couple different ways. So I, w- I wanted to know, can you elaborate on like what you meant by that? Sure. So in all of those same surveys that I referenced that we do at Tutor Collegiate Strategies, in addition to all of that quantitative data, John, we also up until about a year and a half ago had a comment box and we're gaining qualitative data for about, honestly, probably seven to eight years where literally we were asking students, okay, what do you think the admissions and marketing team at this university should show prospective students on social media? Like, what do they care about? What kind of content do you think they would enjoy? And so when you look at all of the comments in those comment boxes, these surveys are all anonymous, by the way, over time, easily the number one thing they kept saying was, just show current students doing what they do every day. Show them Mm. eating, show them in their dorms, show them going off campus, where are the fun things they like to go, show all the different campus community activities they do. Anything that shows me and helps me visualize what it would be like is something that is super important. And it it ties back into John to other data that we have as a company, which is, well, how do students, how do most students make their college decision in 2024? And one of the top things almost every single time, in fact, for 10 years that we've been asking, is what we term the feel of campus. We literally on you know surveys put feel in air quotes, and it's just the feel of campus. Well, how do you explain to somebody what that means? Well, it's yeah. everything from, again, if you visit campus, do people hold doors for each other? Do they smile and make eye contact, right? Does campus feel too big? Does it feel too small? Or if I'm watching videos, do I feel like I fit in with the community? Do I feel... And so I think all of that ties in. And so if you know current students ultimately want to understand what it's like to be a student at that school, if they visit campus, great. They're going to get a sense of that. But so many students can't. 
for a whole host of reasons, right? Visit campus, so how do you show them? And unfortunately, colleges have historically done a terrible job on social media because what you typically see is a lot of screenshots of event flyers. Yeah. And even now, I would argue, okay, you get a whole different sense of emotions and emotional engagement when you post just text versus a picture versus a video. And unfortunately, if you looked at most college Instagram accounts, I would argue too many of them lean more towards pictures and words and text and not video heavy enough. And yet you and I both know also how much content right, is consumed that is video based. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, I think it's, it's all of those things combined. But at the end of the day, I would also argue if you do the current student lens correctly, I mean, that's influencer marketing and storytelling in 2024, right? And it's those connections again, and those feelings that ultimately then influence students to take next steps in this process. Yeah, and I I was, um, I think this was, I was a guest on the Enrollify podcast with Zach Booz Cruz, and we were talking about some ideas that would be great. One of the things that we we touched on was, um, you know, what what would it look like for a school to like to sponsor a YouTube channel or an Instagram, you know, account or whatever that was just one person's like stuff, you know, they're just like building a following of like, this is my life, you know? Um, I, and I just think that that would be, that would be kind of cool as a way to not only like, um, to, as a way to like give people a very consistent, you know, kind of journey of, of what it is, what it's like, um, you know, to, to be at that school and give someone a, a, a person to follow that is dedicated to creating that type of content. Um, because you're I right. I 100% agree, by the way. And I would take it one step further, John, which is I've been saying for years, every college now needs to think of itself almost like they're a TV station. Because if you think about the way young people consume content, well, nobody watches cable. Right? right. Everybody goes to Netflix or they go to Instagram or they go to YouTube. And this is where they watch, you know, quote unquote, what we think of as TV. To your point, what if you literally and you're old enough like me to be able to remember the real world on MTV? But oh, yeah. why could you not have some version of that where you literally are following students around? Now, they all don't live in the same house or anything like that necessarily. But I've seen schools do this. I was at, you know, this has probably been eight or nine years now. But I was at Abilene Christian University in Texas a number of years ago. And literally, I believe this content still exists. So if you go to YouTube and you type in ACU Life on the Hill, because their campus sits on a big hill, they actually had open auditions, had over 100 students come out to ultimately be part of what was almost going to be what you just described, but for multiple students, not just one. And so they ultimately paid students and had them at the time, because TikTok didn't exist then, right? Film and generate content, everything from man on the street to just one was a student athlete and it was following her, you know, from everything in practice to away games to, you know, another was doing all kinds of like fun facts about the school and would run around campus, putting a mic in somebody's face. And all this content still there. They actually had a trailer at the start of the video where it looked very real world-ish. And they were posting it on, you know, Twitter at the time and Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. And ultimately, unfortunately, I don't think it ever gained traction, according to what I heard, mainly because unfortunately, there were just issues with people who spearheaded that, you know, moving on to different roles, leaving campus, going to different institutions. And obviously, it all fell flat. But but I've been saying for years, vlogging with a V is 100% the way to go, because to your point, what if I could follow the journey of somebody, even if it was only like once a month and I was able to see what's their journey like and you were able to actually have that person be authentic and it was clear that this wasn't just, you know, they're saying what the admission staff or the marketing staff told them to say. And they were doing what students want, which is it's user generated content that just again helps students go, well, I don't know what it's going to be like to be a college student or live far away from home or live with a roommate because I've never done all those things before. You can tell me as an admissions counselor, I can read something and that's kind of helpful, but I'd much rather see it and hear it from the person living it currently. Yeah, the reality show idea is 
such a good idea. And I think, you know, you see that sort of sub cultures, I guess, of that play playing out with like that show cheer, I think it was on Netflix or something. And you had, a, I can't remember the schools. You have a couple different schools that have like big cheer teams. And then you're following these people through the lens of the cheer team. Uh, but honestly, you kind of get attached to the school a little bit. Like, you know, you, you start to root for one school over the other. Um, and then there's a whole phenomenon of like, uh, the, I, I don't know if it's still a popular thing, but the whole like rush talk hashtag of like, um, uh, mostly women, you know, uh, wanting to get into sororities. And so they're campaigning and they're doing these, like, here's what I'm wearing today. Here's where you can get just like influencer stuff, but like building a whole personal brand, um, around trying to get accepted into a sorority. And then they get like major brand deals and stuff after that. It's, it's kind of crazy. Um, but it just, it just speaks to like how much people want to know, they want to follow a person's journey. Um, and I think that that's what, that's what marketing misses a lot. And that's why I say, I, I talk a lot in this podcast about the difference between like capital S storytelling and lowercase s storytelling, which is like capital S being like an actual story, like an actual journey versus the other way that people tend to use the tend to use storytelling is just kind of like, we're the marketing department. So we're storytellers. Well, not necessarily, you know, um, you know, just, just because you talk about your school doesn't necessarily mean that you're telling the story, you know, of the school, but there, but, but what people are wanting is the actual elements of storytelling, which is a person that is trying to achieve something or is on a journey and you're following them on that journey. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, I, I would love to see, I would love to see some reality TV aspect come into higher ed. Cause I, I have been a fan of reality TV since the first real world. Um, I remember watching that like with my babysitter <laughs> growing up, you know, and uh, it was just, it's I don't, something about it. Like there's just, there's just in any sort of reality TV show, it's something about getting attached to a bunch of strangers interacting with each other, fighting with each other, making up, you know, <laughs> you know, just well, it's just human so. connection, right, John? Yeah. I mean, it's how we all make decisions. I, I say this all the time. We all make decisions the same way as humans, whether it's you, me, our kids, or like our grandparents. It's all about how we feel. Do we feel connected? Do we feel like we can see ourselves doing that? Do we feel like we want that? Do we feel scared about doing that? And I think to your point, I mean, I've asked over the years back to the idea of this concept of, of some type of reality TV show. To be clear, I'm not telling any school, yeah, give away all your passwords to students and let them, no, don't ever do that. That's a terrible idea because all yeah. it takes is one one student to make a bad choice and, and sure. you have a whole situation on your hands. But giving content, right, to then, for example, the enrollment marketing or marketing team, and if that person or people understand, all right, we don't have to over post-produce this, we don't have to like overthink this, right? We just have to chop it down into pieces that are ultimately gonna be relatable for our audiences. And then the other big thing to your point, which I think was a great point you made, colleges have done bits and pieces of this, John, in terms of showcasing their students through video, but I find they do a lot of one-offs, right? So it's like, here's John and he talks for a two-minute video and you never hear from John again. Right. And then here's Jeremy and then here's Seth. Here's the problem. John, Jeremy, Sally, whoever it is, aren't going to resonate the same way. But if John all of a sudden gets a massive like people commenting on it, then you got to give more John because people, to your point, want to follow John's journey. And I find colleges miss that opportunity because it's all just like one-off videos if they do something like that. I'm a huge proponent of not doing one-off videos. And that's that's kind of the, the whole basis for Unveiled. You know, our business is the subscription model. Uh, at, at least, at least in consistency with telling stories, um, you know, that we don't get into like, this sort of like follow their journey over the cross course of a year, although that's a great idea. Um, but, but yeah, I think too many organizations pr approach video as, as one-offs they, they go, okay, well, we're going to do a story on this such and such person because they come from this program and we need a video for the program page. 
Um, and that's it. And like, that's the use of video. Uh, but there is, there is really no building of, of, a you know, of a journey of people going through this process, multiple people or multiple videos from the same person and, uh, and stuff like that. So I think you're, you're definitely right on that. Um, so let's see, uh, okay. My next, you answered my next question, which was user generated content. Um, so the type of content that, that students are looking for on these platforms, cause you gave a, a, a list here and, um, uh, I hopped on the, I, I, I jumped on the, 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 the first one, which, which fits my agenda, <laughs> um, current student day in the life videos. Um, but let's just go down the list. So let's talk about, uh, day in the life videos. Like what you kind of talked about that, but, but well, just so it's that we bits and pieces of everything, like John, you're on social media enough, like me to know just in doing research, like, Obviously, there's this whole concept of well, how do I go viral, right? And I, I don't have an answer for you, right? It just it happens. But like, what do things in terms of videos that really get a lot of views and get a lot of engagement have in common? It's it, it's a shaky camera. Like our iPhones have more than enough capability, right, to be utilized for video, right? So it's literally students filming on their iPhone, them waking up, showing what they eat for breakfast. Meaning they don't always go, for example, to the dining hall. All right, well then like what kind of things would they potentially eat in their dorm? And is it in a common area or is it in their room, right? And then what do they do after they go to class and how long a walk is it to class? And what just literally showing any concept of from the moment when they wake up to the moment when they go to bed, because again, you're filling in the blanks mm -hmm. for prospective students. So even if they visited campus, usually haven't stayed for an entire day and so they've been wondering in their brain, well, is it like this? And do they do this? And does this happen? And, and how does this work? And if you can show any aspect of all of those things, I would argue in a day in a life video, but from the current student point of view, you know, it would be helpful. And I think that's where we, that's where length, video length be, starts to become an artificial barrier here is that like, I, I don't think enough marketers are realize the times in which someone will actually really want to watch something that's long. And this would be one of those times where um, someone is, they want a piece of information and they want to sit in a, and absorb that experience. It's like when I listen to podcasts, I don't like the real short ones because I want to sort of sink into something for a while, you know? Um, and, and there are times when, you know, people will do that when you sit down to watch Netflix you're not sitting down and, and, and trying to get what you need out of that in three minutes. You know, uh, you're, you're dedicated, you're, you're on the couch, you've got your snacks, like you're ready to go for at least an hour or something. And I think in these, in these situations where it's like, you're, you're really showing the, the experience, you can have a 20 minute video that gets really good engagement. And I've seen this play out on, on YouTube where, you know, these students are doing this user generated content, just day in the life stuff. Um, uh, and, and, uh, and, and they're like 15, 20 minutes long. And the comments are like 60 comments of like, wow, this was great. This, you know, from like prospective college students and, and they're going, this was so helpful that, that thank you for putting this video together. It helps me see, you know, what I was looking for. And so, yeah, I think, I think people, uh, I think we, we, uh, we let, uh, video length, uh, influence our decisions way more yeah, than it's we just, should. I totally agree. And it's understanding John how does our target audience or our target audiences, like how do they process things, right? And yes, obviously our attention spans are all very short as humans, like all that data is out there. It's like six to nine seconds for most of us. But to your point, when we find something we care about, we will 100%, I mean, there's a reason that movie makers still make like two and three hour movies for things like Star Wars and like all that other stuff because they know people are wrapped up to your point in the story or they do a good enough job of creating a story that people want to get wrapped up in that you don't realize it takes that long. And I used to show marketers and enrollment marketers videos like you can go on YouTube right now and literally search college day in the life, college day in the life, this call it during COVID. You could literally put COVID this and there are tens of thousands of videos and you could be down this rabbit hole. No joke for weeks, John, just of current students all doing this on their own. And I always am like, do colleges not understand in some cases they have these influencers? And it's, it's the videos you're talking about. It's a 20 minute video, literally showing them pointing at their feet as they get up, put on clothes, 
eat breakfast, yep. walk to class. There's my friend John. John, say hi. John waves <laughs> at the camera. And it's yep. like just showing bits and pieces of their day. And so I think understanding that, to your point, on a platform like YouTube, we're totally comfortable watching a 15 to 20 minute video. But then if you're going to want to take bits and pieces of that and repurpose it, obviously you would want to cut it down for TikTok, for reels, for whatever. And it's just, it's understanding how people use specific platforms and just what they're looking for from a relevancy standpoint, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think for people listening, I would, the, a lot of these videos that I that I've seen that have this type of engagement are come from uh, a lot of them come from NYU. So I would uh, and I don't know why I don't know I I've been trying to get a hold of someone at NYU. If anyone from NYU is listening to this, I want to talk to you about how you're getting these students to to do these these brilliant day in the life videos. But if you search uh, on YouTube for for some of these, um, they're 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 great and they're just they're completely not from the marketing team. You know, in one in one of the videos, um, the guy was like, he he start he, you know, here's his day in the life. He goes through a bunch of stuff, but then he's like sitting in his dorm with his friends, and they're talking. They're like rating the food in the cafeteria, and it's like a bad rating, <laughs> you know. But it's so it's like it's like not favorable to the school, and and yet like you know, it's it's just real, and and like that's that's kind of what I want to see. I if everything is one hundred percent great, everything's great all the time. I assume this is coming from the marketing team. Totally agree. I mean, show me any situation in life where like failure doesn't happen and like everything's roses every day. And like it just, I mean, young people are very, very smart. We don't give young people enough credit, I think, as just humans and or people who work in higher education. Young people understand when something clearly, you know, has been quote unquote overproduced or created as a marketing piece versus to your point, this is really authentic and this person like is being very genuine with me about how they feel or why something is happening to them right and then um so just so people know the list that that was in your post so current current student day in the life videos life in the dorms food coverage from events on campus popular places off campus where students hang out uh what classes labs clubs orgs are really like and then students talking about different struggles and challenges um I think, yeah, popular places off campus where students hang out is a good one. And that's that was one of the ways I worked with uh, University of Chicago recently on some um, a lot like student alumni interviews. And that was one of the um, ways that we kind of injected some life into the interviews because we were kind of hitting a point where, um, you know, the, the, the responses they were giving were kind of very analytical and um, pretty straightforward. We're kind of like, man, how do we how do we get like, how do we get some like laughing or some, just, just some like personality in here. And so we started asking like, um, if you had $500 uh, to spend in Chicago, how would you spend it? Uh, and it was like a really interesting to hear people's responses and they were mostly food related. Like I would go to this restaurant, all you can eat. I would do this. I would do that. You know? <laughs> um, and it was, uh, it, and, and I think that that stuff's, that stuff's really interesting to me. I'm kind of like, cause, cause so much of the, of the college experience is like, what's the location like, what's the, what's the culture like around campus? What, what am I going to be entering into? Well, and to your point, there are certain things that you just can't change about your college, right? Like they're going to be the same for everybody regardless, right? The location yeah. doesn't move, right? Campus doesn't move a hundred yards this right. way or it's, it's where it is. And so to your point, if I didn't grow up in Chicago or the Midwest, yeah, okay, maybe I've heard about Chicago. I've seen it in movies, but like where near this campus is a, the coffee shop, the Starbucks, where else do students like to hang out and study? Where do they, when they want to go eat off campus because they get tired of the cafeteria food, know how, to, how good it is because that's every college student. So sure. it was you, it was definitely me. Where do they go and can they walk there? Is there a segues? Do they have to like get in an Uber? Like how does any of that work? And it's just, again, showing those bits and pieces, but from a current student point of view, because back to what you mentioned earlier, it's not wrong for admissions counselors or marketers to show it from somebody else's point of view, but it goes back to your concept earlier of user generated content versus, you know, content straight from, you know, the brand, the marketing department, whatever, it just doesn't feel as authentic and land the same way. 
when it's not a current student. And to be clear, everybody likes to utilize their tour guides or student ambassadors, which I'm all for. But if it sounds like that person's been coached and they're wearing a polo and they just smile the entire time, again, it's more helpful, but it's not going to be as helpful if you could find, obviously, somebody who's going to be a little bit more genuine and authentic and I don't know, John, the thing that frustrates me the most is I ask schools, why don't you do this? Because you have all this data. I mean, what you and I are talking about today, I know people know 98% of this. And John, the answer I get from marketers is, but Jeremy, it's not going to be on brand. And I pause for a second. I go that you, you don't then understand how young people in Gen Z and Gen Alpha look at brand because it's what you described earlier, John, which is your brand is your people. Your brand is not, I mean, branding is taglines and all. Yes, that's branding and it's important. But like students, I was at a school in New York earlier this week and I was training a financial aid team. And literally in the middle of the training, one of the counselors says to me, Jeremy, can I share a story that I think applies to what you're talking about? And I was talking about feelings and how it influences decision making. And she said, my daughter's a high school junior right now. and We've started to take some visits and we were on a campus, you know, the other week. And my daughter has said, you know what? Mom, I don't think I could see myself at this school, but you know what? I want to go visit because my admissions counselor at this school has been the most responsive, helpful person out of any school that is communicating with me. So I'm willing to at least go look. Mm-hmm. And I asked her, well, how'd that visit go? And she said, well, yeah, my daughter left said, yeah, no, it's, it's not what I want. But gosh, I'm going to keep them on my list still because the admissions counselor, people connect with other people. There are like yeah. 30 to 50 colleges nationally. And NYU might be one of them, right? That have such a big brand, Stanford, Mm -hmm. Harvard, Yale, all the schools we know, that you can pretty much say almost every student, if they got in, would probably have that school on their list. Every other school, it's more about how do you differentiate and show and create more of those personal connections, right? Yeah, the idea of... The idea that people think that they control the brand, you know, like the marketing team controls the brand. I I uh, listened to this this speaker um, one time talking about branding and he was he likened it to a prison. He's like, do you think the prison guards control the prison? He's like, no, the inmates control the prison. <laughs> yeah. The brand is what people say about you when you're not around. Right. Personally or as a college. Yeah, absolutely. So what would you say um, to um because because this is a question that that comes up with with marketing teams a lot is like, do we somehow find a way to facilitate the student creating content on their own channels? Or do we try to incentivize them to create something and then we host it on our channel? Um, I'm sure there's... So I think the answer is yes and yes. And yeah. I'll be honest, I haven't gone down the rabbit hole enough and don't have enough data and examples I've seen done well to tell you it's definitely this way versus that way. But like, to me, it's all about testing, right? I think there are probably pros and cons to both of those, meaning, you know, I can think, and I don't have all the details here, but I know, for example, Colorado State University, if I had some friends there who previously worked on the marketing team and enrollment marketing who are no longer there, and I'm sure this content probably still is all out there, but Colorado State, and I don't know all the details behind it years ago, created a whole separate YouTube page called the Rams Life. Now they're the Rams, that's their mascot, but there was no Colorado State logo or any sort of Colorado State branding on that page. It was just a new logo they created called the Rams Life. And most of the content was just student vlogs, right? That were posted on there. And I think part of the reason, if I remember this conversation with one of the team members was Jeremy, It's this psychological idea that even if we do it all right and put it on the Colorado State main page, students still think, well, but this has got to be coming like in some regards from like the marketing team or the versus if we put it on a different page where there's no Colorado State logo everywhere and like the branding isn't obvious. It's just our students doing the same thing, but it maybe lands a little bit differently. And so I think, again, both are, you know, positive in terms of ROI, it's just, I can't tell you one is gonna be that much more positive because quite honestly, I don't think there are enough test cases out there right now of schools who have attempted that kind of stuff to be able to say, yep, we got all this data, here's what we found out. But if anybody's out there, I know John would probably love to know what it says and and I would as well. I would love to know. Uh, I like that you said testing too, because I I think that's an under communicated thing because you have, everyone's an expert. You know, every, everyone says, this is the way to do it. 
you know, I my my lens is the video world, and every video company says video is the answer to all your marketing problems. And let me be the one to tell you, it's not. Um, uh, it, it 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 it's it's something to try, you know. <laughs> and and I think that that really goes for anything that you put into place. What works for one institution might not work for yours, and who knows why. Like who knows what cultural, social, economic factors are playing into that. Um, but you really do just have to test stuff, st stuff, learn from experts, listen to podcasts and stuff. But, but, but eventually you got to go try some stuff and you got to just go with what your own data says is working. Um, cause I you think you do. And I would argue there's enough other data out there nationally to tell you what your target audience wants throughout this process, whether it's traditional or non-traditional students. And so I think schools just need to trust that, listen, okay, 10,000, 100,000 students are saying they want more of this and less of this. Well, let's at least try that knowing, guess what? It still may not be executed the way you want, but it's not like you're just pulling a random idea out of thin air to your point. You're basing it on some level of data. And yeah, I, I talk a lot about failing, right? And someone once told me, John, fail stands for first attempt in learning. <laughs> yeah, it's always stuck with me, right? Like, show me any human who doesn't fail yet yeah, doesn't exist, right? Doesn't matter how smart you are, the president fails, right? Like, we yeah. all do. And so it's hard. And I'm empathetic to it, you know, because I suck at a lot of things too. And, and it's hard to try new things sometimes. But I mean, that's what we have to do if we're going to serve. And that's the way I would frame it, our target audience, the way they want to be served, which in this case is all these students and families looking at colleges, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Jeremy, are there any uh, schools doing uh, doing doing this well that you've that you've come across? Well, you mentioned NYU. I like their stuff too, and I mentioned Colorado State. Um, others that I constantly, you know, look at their feeds on that I have found are, you know, um, more aligned with the things you and I talked about today. Uh, the University of Michigan, Boston University, Go Blue. West Virginia. Liberty does a lot of good storytelling, uh, smaller colleges, Siena, New York, Babson, those type of schools, I think more than others. And I'm sure there's a ton out there. I don't know, because again, obviously I've not been on every social media page of every college in this country and university, sure. but, but those in particular, I find do a better job of producing or sharing authentic content that again is, is from the current student point of view, hitting on a lot of the things that you and I talked about today, which I mean, everything I talked with you about today is all based on data. So, yeah, I love that. I, I, I like following you because because your your perspective comes from data. And uh, and I and I think that's um, I think that's a, a good uh, there's a uh, Kyle Campbell is another good follow because everything that he posts on uh, LinkedIn is just like so data heavy. And it's like that's just really interesting. Um, well, it's so fun, right, because it's not the guesswork, it takes a lot of the guesswork out of it, right? It doesn't give you all the answers. But like I tell people all the time when I do training workshops, one of the funnest things for me is I know this stuff is going to work for you if it's not working and you haven't tried it. It's just then you have to adjust to, well, what if you're an introvert doing this versus an extrovert? And mm -hmm. like, what if you're talking to... So there are tweaks that 100% have to be done, but the ideas are out there. And so I just really would encourage anybody listening to this I mean, sit down, come up with something and test it and try and then measure it, right? Because measurement is important. And I'm sure you've talked about this before. It's hard. Measuring things on social is, is not easy. Sure. I'm not going to tell you it is. But I mean, you know, engagement is one metric that I truly feel like on social, John, and, you know, even through other communications that colleges use needs to be prioritized more. And by engagement, I don't just mean likes. I mean, how many, to your point, you mentioned earlier, these blog videos you would find, right? How many comments are there on those 15 and 20 minute videos? Because mm -hmm. if people are going to take the time and comment and share. I mean, those are, those are pretty important metrics to give you an idea of, okay, well that worked. Let's do more of that. Right. Yeah. And if you, and if you look at the, the algorithm for a lot of these social sites, um, I, I read recently that a like is worth something minimal, like one view or something like that. But a comment is worth like 15, you know? So like these, these, uh, 
these social media platforms are really prioritizing engagement in the form of conversation and community. Um, and so that really, that for me on my content is, is, is kind of what I look for the most is are people commenting, you know, cool if they liked it or, or hit the clap button on LinkedIn or whatever. But, but like what really tells me if I've like hit a nerve is if, is if they're commenting and, and people are talking about it. What's well, like you and I today, right? We were both on LinkedIn at one point this morning and, and I was <laughs> sharing a post about, you know, blocking time and how important that is. And you of course commented, right? And if anybody looks at that post, what you'll see is I spend on average at a bare minimum an hour a day on social, not all at once, it's broken up throughout the day. Today, I'll probably spend about 90 minutes. And I'll say of that 90 minutes today, John, 70 of it will be commenting on other people's posts, right? Yeah. Because to your point, it's a different level of engagement when either people comment on something you say and or you comment on something they say. And then maybe that allows you to develop a relationship with somebody who, again, you've never met or you want to start to connect with or you have some level of agreement with in terms of interests and other things. And so, you know, that's why I spend so much time on that, because, you know, it allows us to be able to do all of the things when it comes to building relationships and, you know, trying to understand well, why does John do it this way? Or why does he think that's important? Or where does all this come from that he's, you know, making these kinds of comments? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, Jeremy, this has been a great conversation. Appreciate you coming on. Um, if people want to uh, work with you or have you come present or, or whatever, where can they find you at? So the best way to get a hold of me is by email. And so it's my first name, all in lowercase, J-E-R-E-M-Y at dan tutor which is d-a-n-t-u-d as in dog o-r.com jeremy at dan is the best way and if you want to learn more just about the kinds of services we offer you can go to the website which is admissions with an s all lowercase so admissions dot dan tutor that's that d-a-n-t-u-d-o-r again all one word lowercase.com so admissions dot dan all right awesome well thanks so much i appreciate it John, appreciate the opportunity to be here with you. Thanks for listening. Three things I want to give you before you go. Number one, reminder to sign up for my free weekly newsletter all about creating content that resonates emotionally with your audience. And you can do that at unveiled.tv slash newsletter. Unveiled is spelled U-N-V-E-I-L-D. Number two, if you've enjoyed this episode, share it with someone. Share it with your team, your boss, your dog whatever. And if you're not already subscribed, I'd love for you to do that. Uh, number three, reach out to me. If you have comments, questions, you want to talk about a video project, whatever. My email is john at unveiled.tv, john is spelled J-O-H-N, or follow me on LinkedIn. If you're searching for me, my last name is spelled A-Z-O-N-I. That's all for today. And I look forward to catching you on the next episode of the Higher Ed Storytelling University podcast. Thanks.